Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I'm a child of God. Wow. i tell you, the whole time we were thinking about that, I mean, singing it, I was thinking about the scripture that says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, why don't we just take a moment? Let's just say so. Come on, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> now, if you're visiting with us today and you don't like a church that gets excited every now and then, we're probably not the church for you. But if you like to get excited about Jesus and your faith and what God is doing, Welcome aboard. Oh, I tell you, these are some exciting days to be serving our Lord and Savior. I want to talk to you this morning about faith. The kind of faith that actually works. The kind of faith that's willing to do something. The kind of faith that keeps taking the next step. Before we get started, I want to share with you some of my favorite quotes on the subject of faith. This first one is one I like. I hope you like it. Faith is putting all your eggs in God's basket, then counting your blessings before they hatch. Don't you like that? (laughs) St. Thomas Aquinas said, To one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. People without faith just can't understand what God's doing in and through our lives. D.L. Moody said, a little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but a lot of faith will bring heaven to your soul. I want a lot of faith. How about you? Here's a good one. Fear can keep you up all night long, but faith makes one fine pillow. This is a great quote right here. Faith is dead to doubts, dumb to discouragements, blind to impossibilities. Well, that's faith, isn't it? And, and if I had to pick one of these that I would say is my favorite, this next one is. Don't believe in miracles. Rely on them. One thing to believe in miracles, it's something else to rely on them every day of your life. Um... J. Hudson Taylor, when he was in the Inland China Mission, uh, wrote to his wife on one occasion, and he said, we have 25 cents and all the promises of God. You understand, when you have faith, no matter what else you have, you have all the promises of God are available. Zig Ziglar said, when you put faith, hope, and love together, you can raise positive kids in a negative world. I believe that. 
St. Augustine said, If you believe what you like in the Gospels and reject what you don't like, it is not the Gospel you believe, but yourself. Real faith, the kind of faith the Bible teaches, is not faith in our ability, not faith in what we can do, but it's faith in God. And it's taking the Word of God and believing it, even the parts you don't like. And then one quote right out of the Bible itself is James 2.17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It is dead. Now, this is what we know about faith. We know that God wants us to have faith. And He wants us to have faith in Him. Not in ourselves, not in our ability, not in our technology, not in our ingenuity, not in medical science. We know that all good gifts come from above, but God wants us to have faith in Him. And He wants us to believe His Word, the Word of God. Not just part of it, but all of it. He wants us to have faith in Him. He wants us to take His Word, put faith in the Word of God, and live our lives. And keep on going and keep on growing. God wants us to be willing to do something with that faith. God wants us to keep growing. In other words, He doesn't want us to get stuck in our faith. And from time to time, we all do. We all slow down. We all get stuck. We all uh, have those times when it's just hard to get going again spiritually. But that's not what God wants. God wants us to have faith that's moving and growing and advancing. He wants us maturing in the faith. He doesn't want us to get stuck. And He certainly doesn't want us to to stay stuck. Will Rogers once said, If you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Have you ever known somebody that wouldn't stop digging? You'd be shocked. The pastors here today wouldn't be shocked. But you'd be shocked at the number of people who want to come to you and talk to you about their problems. But the last thing they want you to do is to really help them get rid of that problem. In fact, if you try to help them get rid of that problem, they will fight against you. Some people love their problems. Have you ever seen that little sign? It's been years ago uh, when I saw it for the first time. But it says, I think I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I've worked for it. I've earned it. I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. Don't try to talk me out of it. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Well, that's the way some people are about their problems. They get stuck in a problem and they just want to stay there and they treat it like the love of their lives. They hold on to it. That's all they want to talk about. But I want to tell you, friends, if you are a child of God, God doesn't want you to get stuck and He doesn't want you to stay there. And if you find yourself in a hole, you need to do more than just stop digging. You need to turn around and reach out and reach up to the one who can take you and lift you up out of that hole. The one who can get you unstuck, get you back on the right pathway. The one who can bring joy and life and peace and victory back into your lives. Do you understand for us to stay stuck is inexcusable? It is an insult to our very... Savior, for a couple of weeks now, I've been talking to you about taking the next step, about getting unstuck. 
And I was halfway thinking about moving on. And, okay, we've covered that, let's move on. But then I received a letter in the mail a few days ago. And when I looked at the letter, I just bursted out laughing. Because this was what was on the front of the piece of mail I received. Your next step is the most important one. That was right on the front of the, the letter. Your next step is the most important one. Listen, my credit card company is preaching this message. I certainly should be able to keep preaching this message. And then I also read a devotional by Tink Leonard, a member of our church who sends out a daily devotional every day. And at the end of one of her devotions this past week, she put this graphic. Sometimes the smallest step in the right direction ends up being the biggest step of your life. Tiptoe if you must, but take the step. Just take the step. Now now listen, after seeing this, I said, okay, Lord, I'm a little bit slow, but I've got it. We'll set up camp here for a while, and we'll stay here until everybody at River of Life is convinced we need to take the next step. We need to grow in grace. We need to be advancing in our faith. Friends, if I know anything about faith, after all these years of studying the Word of God, if I know anything about real faith, real faith never stands still. It's never stagnant. It's always moving. It's always willing to move. It's always working. It's always taking the next step. If it's real active faith, according to the Word of God, then it can't be inactive. It can't be dead faith. It has to be doing something. I know you've seen this many times, but it really does communicate, so I'll read it to you one more time. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. Do you know what that means? Most of us are insane. I don't mean to insult you, but if that definition is correct, most of us are battling with insanity. Wow! Friends, I can tell you this, that if you want things to change in your life, you have to make some changes. You have to do something. If you want things to change, you have to start taking some steps in the right direction for the life of me. I don't know when America started believing that you could get right with God without doing anything. I don't know when America started believing you could get right with God without changing anything in your life. I don't, I don't know where we got that idea, but I can tell you it just doesn't work and it doesn't line up with God's Word. A do-nothing faith is a dead faith. Try to, try to get saved without repenting of your sins. See how that works for you. I can tell you countless millions across this nation have tried to do it and it didn't work for them. Try to get saved. Try to get right with God without repenting of your sins. 
No. No. Try to walk with God without obedience. Try to learn the Word of God without the discipline of studying the Word of God. Try to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ with no discipline in your life. Try to lead others to Christ. Brother Bill, you started the class. Try to lead others to Christ without sharing your faith. No. Try to win spiritual battles without a commitment to prayer and communion with God. Try to please God without faith. Without stepping out on faith. You you see, friends, the bottom line is this. It is impossible. If you want things to change in your life, you have to make some changes. You have to do something about it. You have to do something. You have to have faith that actually works. You have to have faith that's willing to work. Now, I don't want anybody to walk out of here today and say, the pastor is preaching salvation by works. Because I am not. Friends, I believe that it is Christ and Christ alone. I believe that it is Christ who saves us. It is His work and His work alone that saves us and brings us into the presence of God and into the power of God and puts us on the pathway of a victorious Christian living. But we still have to obey His teachings. We have to do what He says do. Let me give you two of my favorite quotes, and both of these are attributed to Martin Luther. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. It is faith alone that saves us, but faith that saves is never alone. This is my favorite Martin Luther quote. Faith is a living, restless thing. It cannot be inoperative. We are not saved by works, but if there be no works, there must be something amiss with faith. Oh, child of God, listen to me. It cannot be inoperative. According to Martin Luther, if you have faith, listen, some of you are going to really appreciate what I'm about to say because it'll make some sense to you in the way you feel. According to Martin Luther, if you really have faith, you should be a little bit restless right now. You should be a little bit restless. The desire, the will, the longing to step out on faith and do something for the glory of God. The longing, the desire, the will to step out on faith and see what God can do should be welling up within you all the time. There should be a restlessness in you. And if you're a little bit restless this morning, it may be because you know God can do more than He's doing in your life right now. And you want Him to do more. If there's a restlessness in your heart this morning as a member of River of Life Church, it may be because you know God can do more than He's doing right now in this church and you long to see it come to pass. If there's a restlessness in your soul this morning, it may be because you know God can do in America far more than He's doing right now and you desire to see the people of faith rise up and pray. And do something for the glory of God. Restlessness is not a bad thing, according to Martin Luther. Now, every good thing 
going on in our lives right now is the work of our Savior. I believe that with all my heart. But we have to be willing. We have to be willing. I want you to think of that word just for a moment. Willing. We have to be willing. Now, I want to read a scripture to you, and if you want to turn to it very quickly, you can. It's in Matthew, uh, the 23rd chapter. It's verse 37. Matthew 23, 37. Matthew 23, 37. And this is where we find this word, willing. Matthew 23, 37 says, These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not... Say it with me. You were not willing. That's what I wanted to do, but you were not willing. Listen, sometimes we read over these Scriptures, but we don't set up camp and meditate on what's being said here. Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you are the one who killed the prophets. Can you think of anything worse? I talk to people all the time, and they tell me, Pastor, I just got to tell you, I've done something terrible. I've done something horrible. I've committed some sin. Do you know, in all my years of pastoring, nobody's ever walked through the door and say, Pastor, I just killed an anointed prophet of God. I'm sure there's some people in the congregation today and you've done some bad things in your life, but I'm willing to bet nobody here has ever killed an anointed prophet of God. What's my point? My point is that's something bad. Jesus said, you kill the prophets. You've stoned the very messengers that I sent to preach to you. And as bad as that was, as evil and as wicked and as rebellious as that was, even after you've done all that, oh, how many times I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. I wanted to bring you to myself. I wanted to be your Savior. I wanted to redeem you. I wanted to deliver you. I wanted to help you. I wanted to bless you. But you were not, say it with me, willing. Do you understand in context what the Bible is telling us? Is Jesus is saying, as bad as your sins were, it was not your sins that kept me from helping you and delivering you. It was the fact that you were not willing. Oh, friends. I tried to put myself in this story and think about hearing Jesus say these words to me. Can you, can you imagine Him saying these words to you? It's frightening. I want to tell you, it'll almost take your breath. So, let's not talk about any of us. Let's talk about somebody out there. Can you imagine on Judgment Day? Can you imagine somebody standing before the Lord? And our Lord Jesus Christ saying to that person, I knew everything you did. I knew every wrong, bad thing you ever did. I knew every sin 
you committed. I knew every immoral act that you committed through your whole lifetime. I knew every ugly thought, word, and deed. Every time there was a mean, critical, negative spirit. I knew all of your weaknesses. I knew the sad condition of your life and your soul. And every time I sent you a message, a personal message to speak to your heart, I know every time you rejected it and rebelled against it and did your own thing. But can you imagine Jesus saying that to somebody and saying, but even though you did all of that, oh, I still wanted to call you to myself. I still wanted to bless you and protect you. I wanted to be your Savior. I wanted to change your life. I wanted to bless you and bless your family. Oh, how many times I was willing to step in and be your Savior. But you were not willing. You were not willing. Oh, I don't know. There's just something about this old passage that puts a heaviness over your heart. You, you see, friends, Jesus might say to that person, it was not your sins that kept you from me. Because I had already made provision for all of your sins. I'd already paid for them on the cross. What stopped me was that you were not willing. You could have had the Lord of glory. With everything in your life that you did that was wrong, you could have had the Savior of the world. You could have been under the shelter of my protection and my care. But you were not willing. Do you understand, friends, that we have to be willing? We have to do something. Faith that doesn't work is dead faith that doesn't accomplish anything. One of the things we have to do is we have to be willing. I, I want to tell you, I think preachers across America have preached a do-nothing religion because that's what people want to hear, but sooner or later they figure out it doesn't work. You have to do something. You have to respond to grace. You have to respond to the invitation. You have to take some personal responsibility and say, yes, I know He's willing. Now I have to be willing. I have to do something. I, I'm just asking you. And, and if, if you were not here the last two Sundays, then, then I just want to tell you, I've been preaching this. This will be the third Sunday now. Isn't it time we do something? Isn't it time we do something? It, it, isn't it time that we say, okay, this year, 2017, will be a do-something year? We're not going to just go back through the motions like we've been doing? We're not just going to show up here on Sunday and sing a few songs, preach a few sermons, and pat everybody on the back and say, God bless you and go home. That this is going to be a do-something year. Isn't it time for us to be willing where the Lord says, okay, I'm ready in spite of everything you've ever done, all the mistakes you've ever made. I'm willing. Now are you willing? And we say, yes, God, I'm willing. Yes, I'm willing. I'm ready. I ask you. I plead with you. I urge you. Let's make this the year that we are willing to do something 
with our faith. Every one of us, just do something with our faith. So I'm going to give you some ideas. Maybe this is a good place to start. In a few moments when we give the order call, you can respond. And there are a lot of ways you can respond, but this might be a good way to respond. This year, Lord, this year, no more excuses. No more procrastinating, no more excuses. This year I get right with you, God. This year, somebody's listening to me right now and you know it's high time. This year I get right with God. Or, or how, about, how about this? This year, I will truly repent of my sins and call on the name of the Lord for salvation. I'm going to do that. This year. This year. How about that? This year, I'll join the church. Now, I said this last week. You say, Pastor, I'm already a member of the church. No, I'm not talking about membership. I'm talking about joining. This year I'll join the church. This year I'll no longer just be a spectator. I won't just be an attender. This year I will identify River of Life or some other church as the body of my Savior, the body of Christ. And I will join the blessed bride of Christ. And I'll get involved. And I'll be vested. I'll lock arms with my brothers and sisters. No more just showing up. I'm in. I'm a part of the church. I'm here to go to work for the Lord. Trying to kind of lead you on a little bit. Some things you can do. You say, Pastor, we did New Year's resolutions on the first. No, I'm not talking about resolutions. I'm talking about purposing in your heart. This year. This is a great one. This will revolutionize your life. This year. This year. I will start reading the Bible for myself. I don't know who you are. But there are people under the sound of my voice right now and you never pick up a Bible and read it. This year, I'll start reading the Bible for myself. This year, I'll start studying the Word of God. This year. This year, I'll join a Bible study class. How about that? I'll understand that there are people who are farther along than I am and I'll join a class and I will do something. I will be willing to do something. I'll get in a Bible study class. Let me tell you something. You should be in a Bible study class. There are people in this church that can teach you. And if there's nobody in this church that can teach you anything, then you need to be teaching us. We'll put you in a class. We'll let you teach. If you already know so much, nobody can teach you anything, then then you need to be teaching. This year I'll get in a Bible study class. This year, I'll get on a clear pathway to spiritual maturity. If the church is coming up with a clear step-by-step pathway to spiritual maturity, I'll get on that pathway. I won't have so much pride that I stand back and act like I'm spiritual when I'm not spiritual. Put me on the pathway. Let me tell you, I've been a part of the building process and I've just been blessed beyond measure just being a part of it and reading this stuff. You will be too. Get on the pathway to spiritual maturity. This year, Brother Bill, meet Sunday morning, 9.15, teaching people how to win souls. We, we, 
This is good. This year, I will learn how to share my faith and lead somebody to Christ. This year. This year, I will do that. This year. I, I've talked about it. I, I've even talked to the pastor about it. I've talked to other people about it. But this year, I will find out what my talents, my gifts, my abilities are. And I'll start using them for the glory of God. This year. You say, well, I don't know where I fit in. Friends, we'll, we'll find a place for you to fit in. We'll, we, we'll get you somewhere. Whatever your talent is, the Bible says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another according to the manifold grace of God. You've got a gift. You can't be a spectator. You can't just show up and, and watch and listen. You've got to get involved somewhere, somehow. You've got to be a part of the body. This year, Blackie, this year, I'll get my finances in order. I'll go through Financial Peace University. I'll figure out how God wants me to handle my finances. You see, I'm just trying to get you. This year, I'm going to get in a Bible study class. I'm going to learn how to, how to win souls. I'm going to get my, my finances in order. This year, what about this? Just You're talking about real simple. What about this? This year, I will become willing. Yes? Willing. I don't ever want to hear my Savior say, I would have helped you. I would have blessed you. I would have delivered you. I would have given you a miracle. I would have moved mightily in your life. But you were not willing. This year will be the year of the favor of the Lord. I'll be back. This year will be the favor of the Lord. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. Friends, that's biblical. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. You can say it with confidence. You can say it with faith. You can say it and believe it. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. You say, Pastor, how can you be so sure this is the year of the favor of the Lord? Because I am willing. Because I've got faith in what my Savior can do. And the only thing that stops Him from doing it is an unwilling, unrepentant heart. And I am Willing. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. Because I'm willing. And friends, I'm going to tell you. This is the year of the favor of the Lord for River of Life Church. Because we are willing. We are willing. Would you bow with me, please? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.